0: It was emotionally and physically draining. I was at my lowest spot. And throughout this entire time, I'm very grateful to be married to my wife, Amanda, who has been my rock through most of this. And it was to a point where I needed to, something needed to change. One thing I've learned throughout this process is if you have the ability to back up from something that is uncertain or something that is difficult, more often than not, The body and the mind are going to choose the path of least resistance, and that is avoiding uncertainty, avoiding difficulty, and just backing away from the situation. Well, it was to a point where I had two choices. I had either, I leave real estate that my wife has supported me through for the the first year and a half in encouragement and everything else, and leave real estate entirely and go back to a nine to five job, which wasn't off the table, or double down on knowing that I can do better and just being backed into that corner and it was a fight or flight moment. It was a, I need to make this work or I don't.
1: Hello and welcome to the Agent Podcast with your host, that's me, Raymond Shulsa. Let's dive in. This episode is sponsored by Inspired Title Cover. Nationally recognized in 48 states across the U.S., where a portion of each closing goes to charity. Give them a call on your next deal. They'll close anywhere, they're remote. Visit inspired-title.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Agent Podcast. Today, I'm here with my buddy, Alex, out of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. I appreciate you having me. Glad you're here, man. Alex, why real estate? Why real estate? So, growing up, I never
0: thought beyond where I currently lived. And part of that was I didn't have a great upbringing. And I thought, you know what? The fact that I'm in a home is is wonderful, but I don't know if I'm ever going to achieve that. Years old until about 30, I went through and I, every year, new apartment, new apartment, new apartment. And I realized, you know what? There's there's a better way of doing this. There's somebody that's got to be in my demographic, in my age that's going through the same struggles as me. And I didn't see that in my area. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to do it myself. So after a crux of a situation at my previous employer, I decided to jump in full-fledged into real estate because I figure if I need to figure out how others that are in my same boat need to be served,
1: I might as well do it myself. So I jumped in and have been serving people for the last five and a half years. Well, congratulations on making it five and a half years. That's Thank a you. huge accomplishment. Ah. So Alex, I, I, we were... Myself. I yeah, myself yeah, back. yeah, hundred percent, right? Like, <laughs> let's do it. So Alex, before we started recording, we were talking and you had said that you started with a team and then went solo. Yes, sir. Can you tell me a little bit about why you chose a team, number one, and then how you made that decision to go solo when things changed for you? Yeah, absolutely. So when I jumped into real estate, one, I knew
0: nothing. And the best way that I've learned in my life is one, participating on teams only because I have that mentality. I like winning with others and losing with others. So when I jumped into real estate, knowing nothing, I knew I had to partner with somebody that, one, knew what they were doing, and two, did it at a very high level. So I did that. And by happenstance, my wife actually knew somebody in real estate who was on a team. So I had met with him and then he was a part of a team. So I was like, you know what? This is gonna be my logical first step. And so I jumped right in and thought I was the bee's knees. I had served quite a few clients in the first couple of weeks and thought, oh, this is this is easy. I don't know why everybody doesn't do this. And then I struggled the first year and a half. I nearly left the business a couple of times. I was donating plasma to, to get the gas money so I could go to showings to help the clients. And I realized that something had to be different. And after a year and a half, that team dissolved and I had two choices. I had another choice of doing it with others and winning with others and losing with others? Or do I go all in on what I know and what I was successful at, what I felt I was good at, which was marketing and PR and relationships and relationship building. And I decided, you know what, there's no time like the present. The team wasn't there. So I decided to go on my own. And I'm fortunate to have been doing it now for an additional four years beyond that point in time. I have won a couple of different awards here in our area. So I'm at least doing something right. But uh, it led to me really doing a lot of introspection
1: at that, that year and a half mark of which direction do I go? And, Can we unpack that a little bit? Ah, uh, Let's go. Let's dive in. All right. So from donating plasma to get fuel in the vehicle for showings yep. to, oh, I'm going to leave a team, even though it's disintegrating or choosing not to join another one and do yeah. this solo. Tell me about that transition. And what that looked like and how you powered through that. It was emotionally and
0: physically draining. I was at my lowest spot. And throughout this entire time, I'm very grateful to be married to my wife, Amanda, who has been my rock through most of this. And it was to a point where I needed to, something needed to change. One thing I've learned throughout this process is if you have the ability to back up from something that is uncertain or something that is difficult, More often than not, the body and the mind are going to choose the path of least resistance, and that is avoiding uncertainty, avoiding difficulty, and just backing away from the situation. Well, it was to a point where I had two choices. I had either, I leave real estate that my wife has supported me through for the the first year and a half in encouragement and everything else, and leave real estate entirely and go back to a nine to five job, which wasn't off the table, or... Double down on knowing that I can do better and just being backed into that corner. And it was a fight or flight moment. It was a, I need to make this work or I don't. And from that point forward, there was a fire lit under me and I taken off. So it was back and unpacking that. It was all about getting backed into a corner and realizing I didn't have any other options. I had to either figure it out or I had to leave. And I'm not one, I don't do well with quitting. I don't do well with not being good at something. So it was at that point where I had to realize, okay, this
1: is, this is that time, this is where I need to either put up or shut up. So Alex, in that situation where you said something that resonates with me, where you had to kind of zoom out or back up, mm-hmm. right? In order to refocus on what is my next step on yeah. path A, path B, path C. What's some of the mindset that you had at that time when you were backing up and kind of calculating your next move. Like what were some of the things going through your head? Absolutely. First thing was vulnerability. And when I say
0: vulnerability,
1: I mean not
0: sugarcoating or looking at the situation with rose colored glasses. Really seeing the situation for what it was, which was we have no money in our bank account. I think we had like six dollars and twenty-six or twenty-eight cents to our, our combined bank account and donating plasma. I was using that card again to be able to put the gas to be able to do what I needed to. And it was at that point where I realized I couldn't get much lower than this. I I was, not only that, I was looking at things for food security. Like we were skipping out on, on eating certain meals. We had difficulty in terms of paying bills. We sought help from friends and family. And that's not something in how I was raised. You ask for help if you need it, but you try to figure it out yourself first. And it had gotten to a point where I just mentally thought I exhausted all my options. And I'd had a couple conversations with people that really gave me that encouragement of like, hey, you need to set a time frame, And if you do it by that point, keep going. And if you don't, then you need to do something else. Like there's nothing wrong with failing. And that was a bitter pill for me to swallow. So that vulnerability of knowing that, you know what, I might not be cut out for this because I've succeeded at most other things that I've put my mind to in life. And if this was going to be the first one, I mean, that's a blow to my My ego, it's a blow to my mental health, and it it was tough. So it was a very, very dark place, and I had to be vulnerable and open about that, not just with my wife, but with the people that I worked with. So that was the first part. The second part was just that, I don't want to say grit and determination, but when you get back in that corner and you only have two options, you really figure out, not creative ways, but you you really figure out who you are and, and what that looks like going forward. And for me, that was winning. That was success. That was not being a failure. Those were things that personally I did not want to have on my conscience. And so that drove me to take the actions and the steps and doing the activities that are necessary to truly be, at least on a very small level, successful in this industry and in this career. So it was, it was a lot. And it's an ever growing process. It's not something that I'm away from. It's, moving from scarcity to abundance is a long and sometimes lifelong journey. And that is something that I'm 100% still on. I still look at my bank account and I have that scarcity mindset of, well, oh my gosh, this is, this is going to all go away and I'm not going to have this anymore. And that just keeps pushing
1: me to continue serving others and adding value as best. Did you grow up with a scarcity mindset? Like, is that 100%. the family dynamic you came from? 100%. It was... We did not
0: grow up wealthy by any means. I was very good at being able to selectively eat meals because I knew I was not going to eat other ones. I could stretch a dollar probably better than almost anybody that I knew. And that served me incredibly well. But at the same time, when you are for so many years in that fight or flight and that scarcity mindset, it takes a lot to to break that. And that's the only, you can't, you can't change it. You have to break it. And that point, um, a year and a half into the business, was really a, a true breaking point because it wasn't just about me anymore. I, I had my, my wife to think about and to worry about, our dog to think about and worry about, and I it was more than just me. And now that scarcity mindset, I knew that it had to change
1: because if not for my sake, if it, it had to be for their sake. Okay, so roughly four or five years ago. Yeah you took ownership of this scarcity mindset. And while it is a work in progress, mm-hmm. how did you get to a point where you were able to move past it to create abundance for yourself, right? Because yeah, that's some of the pain, right? Is either A, not knowing the roadmap or B, knowing the roadmap, but struggling to work through it and do the things it's going to take and have that, mental power, that emotional power, like all of this resonates with me, yeah. Alex, like I grew up in a very blue collar family. You have to work hard. Money doesn't grow on trees. Mm-hmm. You know, money is hard to make. There's never enough of it. You run out of money before you run out of month, right? Like all these yeah. different things. And it's funny. It, I thought I had a lot of that handled until COVID happened. And all of this shit came flooding back to me, man, like a yep. dump truck just on me. And I'm like, what the hell just happened, right? So I would love to hear how you work through that. And what are some things that maybe you continue to do to build yourself stronger? Yeah, absolutely. So the two things that I've
0: leaned on heavily, one is mentorship. Mentorship from not just a financial standpoint, but from a physical health, a mental health, relational health, business. I seek mentorship from the people that I would want to trade places with. And I'm very fortunate and very grateful that the team leader of the team I was originally on that dissolved in that first year and a half is one of the most business and family minded, who I viewed as successful people that I've ever met hands down Runs multiple businesses. They're all successful. He has a, a healthy life, but he also came from a very, like you had mentioned, blue collar work for it, rough upbringing. And so I opened up to him and he personally took me on, not just myself, but both my wife and I under his wing to coach us financially. He saw the financial struggles. He He's like, hey, this is something that I can help you with because I've had to go through it myself. And we coached with him and he did it out of the goodness and kindness out of his heart because he, the thing that sticks with me is he said, it's not enough to be wealthy. It's enough to to build wealth for others. so it, And that's what really, again, solidified my mindset of my purpose here is for the service of others, the adding value to others. And he helped us do that financially where over the, la- the following few years, my wife and I paid over six figures worth of debt. I was able to increase my business. I was able to, he's that person I was able to lean on and learn from him because one, he's gone through mistakes himself. It's similar to reading a book. You read a book because that might be somebody's entire life work put into 250 pages. Great. Now, I, I that's a cheat code on life in, in getting ahead on business and in relationships and marriage and health and mental health. I was just fortunate that I was able to do that in person and not just read a book. So that was one aspect of it. The, the other aspect when it came to what I leaned on was really, how do I say this? Coming from contribution, very simply put, I had to really shift that mindset from it's not about just me. It's about others and what I can do for others. It's what I do in my business and in my life is not so that I can have a better business and a better life, but it's so that I can have created opportunities for other people that I can multiply that by bringing that service to others, the ripple effect. And then the third part, and this is kind of the bonus one, is garbage in, garbage out. It was very much removing a lot of the, not just negativity, but the information and social medias and other aspects that I brought into my life that changed my mindset to being one that was more negative and less helpful to what I was hoping to achieve. And at that point forward, it really changed. I predominantly listen to podcasts such as this and audiobooks, and I read a little bit more, although not as well as my wife, who is a librarian. So I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. But same thing with social media and, and other aspects. I'm only letting things into my life that are going to put me mentally, emotionally, and physically in a better state than I was before I encountered it. The, pot, the better things you put into you, the better things you'll get out of you. So that, the mentorship, and then the, the ripple effect have really been the, the cornerstones, the trifecta that I've leaned
1: on these last few years. Have you read the book by Benjamin Hardy, Be Your Future Self Now? Ah, I have not, but I'm gonna make note of that now. Yeah, I'll text you a reminder after we're done. That book is amazing. All of his books are amazing. He also wrote Who Not How. He wrote Personality Is not permanent. But specifically, out of Be Your Future Self Now, one of the things he talks about is inputs versus outputs. And to your point, that he has a rule which I adopted before I even knew about it yeah. was that 80% of my input is education, only 20% is entertainment. Right. So, whereas a lot of people choose to either binge social media, Netflix, you know, whatever, I'm binging education, through podcasts, through YouTube University, through audiobooks, right? But then I don't feel guilty for watching that, you know, show with my wife every night as we're going to bed, right? Because she's a huge TV person, right? So, okay, fine. We'll watch our show, whatever. And I know that the majority of my input from the time I wake up in the morning throughout the day, like I, my average daily audio input is Mm -hmm. four to five hours, Yeah. So, like last year, I read 200 books, all audiobooks, right? I did a ton of mindset work via YouTube, like learned about various therapies, right? Yeah. On top of consuming things that are relevant to real estate or investing or money or whatever it is, mindset work. So, it's interesting that you say that because I think it's very, very relevant that inputs do equal outputs. And there also, what's important about that is that there's a delay right? Like it doesn't happen immediately, Mm -hmm. but it can happen sooner than later if you adjust those inputs sooner than later.
0: Absolutely. And one of the best phrases from the mentor I mentioned earlier is education without implementation is just (laughs) entertainment. And that and that part at the same time, because I know plenty of of people in my life that love to consume and learn and learn and learn and learn. But at the same time, you got to do something with it. And if you're not, then like you had just said, it's just entertainment. You're binging on something that isn't serving a purpose in bettering your life so that you can better the lives of others.
1: And it's it's fascinating to be a part of. So Alex, let's talk about that. Let's talk about three things you've learned over the last four to five years that you've implemented that have been game-changing for you. Oh, three things that have been game-changing for me.
0: All right, number one, the value of saying no. That It sounds super simple, but especially in, in our industry and in, in real estate, but in life as a whole and for relationships and, and mental well-being and everything else, the ability to say no to something so that you can say yes to something else has been e- tremendously powerful in not just the opportunities that I've been able to participate in and create, but in the people that I've been able to serve and the people that I've been able to add value to because there are plenty of times where they're, Hey, let's get together and do this. Let's go here. Um, Saying yes to that means I have to say no to something else. Saying yes to that showing at 730 at night means I'm saying no to spending time with my wife and our dogs or saying yes to a coffee meeting with a, a potential, let's say lender or somebody else means I'm saying no to creating content to add value to my clients. Like just knowing that it is okay to say no. And when you say no, you need to protect that with ferocity that nobody else has seen because it's very difficult for people to relate. It's very difficult for people, especially those that are maybe earlier on in their journey than you are or of of smaller mind than you are to understand that. It's very easy to take it personal when it doesn't have to be. So that's the first one, say no and protect it. The second one, Second thing that's made a large impact in my life has really been that vulnerability and honesty. It is very easy in a time of social media and online interaction, especially you had mentioned earlier back in pandemic season one, when the whole livelihoods of, of many of people had to had to pivot and adjust. It is v- we lived through our phones, we lived through computer interaction, and it's very easy to go through and compare yourself internally to the highlight reels of others. And that is a very, very slippery slope, not just um, a business perspective. Why am I not doing as well as that person? What are they doing? But also from a mental health perspective, I'm a huge proponent of mental health and the ability to go through and be open and honest that, you know what? I have struggled financially. I have struggled in my marriage and in my health and in my mental health. I'm very upfront and honest about that. I'm happy to have conversations with anybody, even if I just met you to talk about these things. And I can't share the number of times I've had people come up to me after conversations like that. Cause I have done public speaking that say, I appreciate the fact that you had, that you shared your story about your struggles with marriage or your struggles with your mental health, because you know what I'm struggling to, and I don't know what to do. And the best way to open and start and begin those conversations is knowing personally that you have to be open and honest about the conversation you have with yourself. And the only way to do that is being vulnerable. So vulnerability and transparency, incredibly, incredibly powerful. Is there a direct monetary response or anything else like that for people? It doesn't matter. Like it's not when when you get to a point of abundance, the abundance isn't about dollars and cents. And and that's important for a lot of people to realize when you don't have it, that's all you get. But it's like a dog chasing its tail. Once you get it, then what? Then you have everything else. So the sooner you get that, the better. And the third one has really been building and creating. Uh, let me take a step back. It is creating opportunities that I call bookends. You want to bookend the beginning of your day? and You want to bookend the end of your day? When I say bookend it, I mean... You need to create a routine and a structure that puts you in the best place mentally, physically, and emotionally at the beginning of the day. You, If you can control and own that, the rest of your day can go to hell. It can fall apart and be terrible. But you know what? You still had that time that you took to invest in yourself, whether that's education-wise and learning new skills and new material for your business or for your life or for your relationships. Going to the gym. I I'm one of those weird, crazy people that my, both my wife, especially our dogs and friends of mine probably get annoyed by because I am that person that's up at 4 a.m. I'm at the gym at 4.30 and I'm there till about 6.15 to 6.30. That's not realistic for a lot of people, especially if they have other commitments or families or anything else. But I know in order for me to be my best self, I need to be in the right mind space. And part of that comes from doing what I think is the most difficult thing in the day, first thing in the morning, the book, Eat That Frog, same concept. If you have something coming up, like don't don't push it off, push it off, like tackle that first because then everything else is easier from that point out. But same thing, it's the end of the day as well. So making it a point to not just start on a high note, but end on a note that you have control over, just puts you in a better mind space. So those would be probably the biggest three things that have made the largest impact in my life is going through, again, having that honesty and transparency going through saying no and pre- protecting your no with ferocity and then really
1: bookending the the first and last part of it. So that's a good segue. We were talking about Ryan Sorhan and his team and you did mm-hmm. some work with them. Yeah, to help you in your business. Can you tell us a what inspired that? B what that was like and what you got out of it? Yeah, I am eternally grateful to Ryan and his entire
0: team over at Sorhan in New York. Shout out to everybody. But for me it I live in Northeast Wisconsin. For better and worse, we are incredibly insulated from the craziness of most other parts in the United States. Uh, We don't have the crazy natural disasters as often or the same severity that somebody on the East Coast or West Coast or down South is. We also, real estate-wise, don't experience the high spikes and the low lows that a lot of other people have had to weather. We are, the best way I can describe this, the furthest ripple on a pond when a rock or a boulder dropped on the other side of it. We'll feel it a little bit, but things take a while to get to us. To that point, though, I realized that I needed to, in order to better my life and to better my business and and my service to others, I needed to get outside of the Northeast Wisconsin, not just mindset, but area and really learn from those people that are performing at an incredibly high level elsewhere in the United States. I had... A few years ago when Ryan had first come out with his book sell at Lexer Hand, I he had just started his YouTube channel at the same time and I was watching him like, okay, his personality, the way he does things, like I can relate to this. I don't have cable. I never watched Million Dollar Listing in New York or anything else like that. So I was like, I don't know who you are, but I like the way you're doing things. And I just followed along with the journey. And part of that was not just in how do you work with people, um and with clients from a business perspective, but how do you become the best person? So he was one of the people that influenced my bookend the first part of your day, last part of your day, because he does something similar, but he does that at a high level. And I realized that the resumes of the people that I get to learn from here in Northeast Wisconsin are great, but we're we're Green Bay, Wisconsin, 110,000, 115,000 people soaking wet. New York City, quite a bit larger. The yeah. resumes are quite a bit bigger and quite a bit more impressive to, to some and, and challenging for others. So I figured if I'm going to align with somebody, I'm going to align with who I think I best resonate with and who I think is doing it in a way that I can relate to and I can translate it back to Northeast Wisconsin. So he and his team over at Surhand and the Sell It Like Surhand community have been a huge impact in not only how I brand myself, And how I present myself. You only ever get a first impression once. So I've I've learned a lot from that. And especially in a world of online living, how to portray myself and and put myself out there. But again, doing so that is authentically in a way that's authentically again with that vulnerability, the coaching, the the life story to go through and share. So I am eternally grateful for that. And I still actively participate both in trainings with him, in coachings with him and his entire team, because again, You never enter the same river twice for you are never the same person and the river is never the same. So I know that that journey is never going to stop. So as long
1: as he keeps doing things, I'm going to keep. So let's segue that to your business. Absolutely. You mentioned bookending. So what does your day look like in your business? How do you have it structured?
0: Yeah. So I can run you through, again, when it comes to bookending, I'm I'm serious in that I control the first part of my day and the last part of my day and everything else. It doesn't is, matter. It, it doesn't matter. I'm up at 4 a.m. I dogs out by 4.15. I'm back on the road at 4.20. I'm to the gym by 4.30. I work out until 6, 6, 15. I do a hydro massage therapy over at Planet Fitness, Eastside Green Bay represent. For 15 minutes, I then head home, get cleaned up, take care of the dogs again, eat breakfast, spend time with my wife before she leaves for work at about 8 a.m. 8 to 8.30, I'm checking in on any emails that came through overnight or anything that's upcoming. I start reaching out to people online to wish them happy birthday because I think that's something that everybody deserves to hear, especially if it's your birthday. It's more fun if you mistake, though, and you send a message to somebody that it's not their birthday, then they go, thanks. It's 362 days early, but I appreciate it. You have that message and then it's catch up with emails. And then I really take that first, probably until about 10 a.m. to really lay out, okay, what are the big things I'm accomplishing today that I need to do to get me 1% ahead of where I was yesterday? That might be reaching out to somebody via social media. It might be creating a newsletter. It might be creating a short form video. It might be learning about the market or observing or learning information from the hundreds and thousands of available resources online when it comes to business and mindset and real estate. Have lunch and kind of get the day going. And it's chaos from about 11, 12 until probably four to five when I said that I protect my no feverishly. I've been trying to make it a point for the sake of my marriage with my lovely wife to be home as often as possible in the evenings. Now, obviously, there's always one-off occasions, and I do try to participate in things outside of that. So my evenings are usually pretty condensed, but I'm usually home by at the latest, 7.30, maybe 8, so that I know that that 8 to eight thirty, eight to 9, spending time with her, getting all the, the dog snuggles I could possibly get, and then... <laughs> I'm in bed by probably nine thirty. And I much to my wife's dismay, I fall asleep in probably forty-five seconds. So I I hit the <laughs> hit the bed and I'm done. And then alarm's off and I do it again the next day. And it's a wonderful thing to do. But at the same time, if you want to have a day off, it's difficult because if I'm not waking up with my alarm, my body will wake me up. And if that's not the case, my dogs, who are definitely hungry, are going to be waking me up to being like, hey, why, why are we outside yet? It's like 5 a.m. Like, no, no, no. We're not a fan of this. Like, get up.
1: So I have them to thank for that lovely, lovely schedule. I like that. So your afternoons from 11, 12 to 5. As an example, is that when you're commuting with clients, doing showings, going to listing appointments, all of that kind of good stuff? Absolutely. So for me, a lot of my business and how it's driven is from
0: relationships and from people I know. So it's I realize that most people have jobs that take them from 8 or 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And so with that, I'm not always able to go through and show them directly. So I will have evening appointments. I will have weekend appointments. But during those afternoons, I'm... It's doing what I can to be the expert in, in real estate in our area as it relates to the market. So it's it's looking at the trends. It's looking at what areas are picking up in activity, which ones are not. What activities or events or construction is taking place in the area? How is that going to be impacting things? How can I communicate that to people? How can I share a message? What can I do to create content and create information That would be of value to other people. And then how can I share that as much as I can? So a lot of times what I'm doing is interacting online and sharing information to put other people in a better spot because I'm not the person who's going to go through and show a home and then say, all right, let's write an offer. Like I will, I will coach and guide somebody through that process. And I will also be the first person to tell someone, eh, I, I would have, I would pass on this. Like this, this is not, I think what, what you need for what you're trying to do. And that I think surprises some people that, well, why aren't you trying to make a sale? Because I realize that if I take care of my clients and I take care of the people that are around me, that they're going to continue to trust me to take care of the people that they know. And it just amplifies and amplifies. And it's the same thing like with what you're doing on this podcast. It's how can I not only learn and get information that would better you, but how can I share this with other people so that they can go out and
1: serve others at a higher level? And I try to do that as often as I can. Alex, what are some things that you feel you do different in your real estate business than most other agents that have helped you get to where you are? I am
0: comfortable with online presence, video, social media, which in our area, again, 115,000 soaking wet. Northeast Wisconsin, maybe 300,000 people, quarter million, somewhere around there. We are very small compared to some of these other aspects. So being able to take some of the information and knowledge and skill sets that I've learned from people elsewhere in the country and be able to disseminate that in such a way that it adds value on a local level is one part and being able to really lean into the marketing and the branding side of it and doing so again in an authentic way. That's probably the main aspect. The other part is I'm very relationship driven. I I think it was Bob Berg in The Go-Giver one amazing book. Two, one of the things he talks about in there is a similar story of the new person starting the business. Who's going to be the most successful? It's that guy over in the corner. Well, I never see him leave the office. And part of the reason that's the case is because he's the he's the person that takes, hey, you have an issue with this. Let me connect you with somebody that I know that's over here. But it's not for me. It's like that, but it's not just real estate related. If somebody's going through and they're going to be celebrating an event or looking for an awesome place for a date night dinner, I know people... And it's, we are the world's biggest small town. Everybody kind of knows everybody, but to know people in those places that you can create experiences, whether that's at stores or at shops or at restaurants or at bars or taverns or anything else like that, is just one way to continue to add value. So being able and to do that on a consistent basis outside of just real estate, I think is another aspect. Uh, that shows that I'm not here for the paycheck. I'm here for you as the person. People over profit is something that drives me a
1: lot. And that drives a lot of my messaging and a lot of the content and things that I do. How do you prioritize content? Right? I mean, I know a lot of people are scared of media and they don't realize that they are a media company walking around with a camera crew, which is their phone. Mm-hmm. But how do you prioritize prioritize content? Cuz a lot of people, including myself at one point prior to honestly the COVID, right? Like I spent the majority of my career creating products. Mm-hmm. And while I was always in real estate primarily as an investor, which has changed since COVID, but it like when I first started creating content, like I didn't feel like I was doing something of value or I didn't do I didn't feel like oh this is important. And some of it was a self-value, self-worth issue. Mm -hmm. And some of it was just, it was a different way of working and a different way of providing value out there. Now, today it's a no-brainer, right? Like, boom, we'll just light this up, go live, do whatever we got to do and get out there. But it took me literally years to get to that point where it was like, dude, this is a priority. You have to do it. Yeah. So for somebody out there that's struggling to prioritize content and doesn't understand the value or doesn't understand the impact and, you know, I'm sure you're a Gary Vee fan to some yep. extent, if you follow Ryan Serhant. Yeah. And he put out a post, I think it was yesterday on LinkedIn. I'll text you the screenshot that said, if you are still not creating content, basically, you don't get it. Like, stop messing around and you need to get on this because people are consuming at scale. It is no longer a small game. Yep. So how do you do that? One great question. You need
0: to first shift your mindset from consumption to creation when you are on social media platforms. It is very easy to get sucked into the scroll. And if just by simple, if, you, if you're looking for a very tactical way, write a time block, a portion of time for you to go on to social media, let's say half an hour. Let's take Facebook as the example. You take 10 minutes to create something of value and what, how you define value and how somebody else defines value might be entirely different. But something that you think would be valuable and you put it out there and then take the other 10, 15, 20 minutes and get your scroll on and then be done. It is it is an addictive resource that can, in too large of quantities, can, can cause you to suffer. I mean, it's just like with anything in life. Moderation is key. So if you have to do so tactically by time blocking it, that's one way to do it. But con- move from consumption to creation. The second aspect is understand that you are... <laughs> You are the same person in real life. Like if I see you and I were to meet you on the street and we were to have this conversation not via this podcast, I'm still gonna be the same person. You're still gonna be the same person. It's understanding that you don't need to put on a separate persona and that transparency and honesty in a world of highlight reels is valuable. By itself is valuable. One of the phrases that I learned was, which would be more exciting to watch? Michael Jordan on a, on a basketball game with the Bulls or the behind the scenes documentary explaining the process and all the craziness that went through getting them to that point. And then they went and created the, the Michael Jordan's documentary series that they had released. And it was a tremendous hit. It, It was, I believe more watched than any of his games ever. Because some people like watching the final experience, but people love to be a part of the journey and to know that they got to watch that take place. So if you are a new agent, you're an existing agent, you're a veteran, you're somebody that's struggling, Gary Vee, it's document the journey. It's share your experience as you're going through this, the positives and the negatives, because a lot of times that's not what's going to get shown on TV and other media outlets. And that is fascinating to watch. So if you don't know what to create, share something that you're going through, that you're working through, that's a part of your journey. And then the last part is look to others, not for what you can rip off, but from what, like, look to what you're watching. If you don't know, part of the things that I, some of the things I share online are, are direct parodies of what I've seen other people do because I thought it was funny, but I know I have my own voice, my own way of spinning it, And I just wanted to share that in hopes that somebody else finds it funny. So that's one quick way. Create what's entertaining to you and and do it with your voice. And then the last piece I'd leave someone with is the time it takes to meet other people in person on a one-to-one basis is far greater than on the one-to-many basis that your content is capable of achieving, whether that's video, or podcast, or in a book, or on social media, whatever it's going to be, my ability to go through and hop on Facebook Live for half an hour and create a video and interact with people that hop on or start watching that video, I'm able to communicate one to hundreds. Whereas if in that half hour, my ability to meet every single one of them in person for a half hour, it would take me weeks. So, just your abilities to understand that if you want to scale your life, some of the actions need to be done in a more efficient and effective manner, and con- specifically short form and long form video content allows people to achieve that.
1: I love all of that. It's all amazing, guys. For anybody listening, I hope you take the time to re-listen to that segment a couple times. If you pull one thing away from this podcast is the ability to authentically be yourself and put yourself out there to communicate. It, it will be a game changer for your business over time. Like real estate business is a long play, but it will be a game changer over time. Alex, uh, I think the last thing I want to ask you, how do you find your dream clients? How do you attract the people that you want to work with? How do you find your dream clients and the people you want to work with?
0: First I want to work with people that I can see myself being friends with. The nice thing with that is those friends, I have friends that can afford $100,000 homes and I have friends that can afford million dollar homes. But I realized with the amount of stress and anxiety and emotion that goes into the real estate process, whether buying, selling, investing, whatever it might be, even just educating, it is one thing to do it with somebody that you don't like but it's another thing entirely to do it with somebody that you want to spend time with. That's when the whole, I never work a day in my life really comes up. I am addicted to what I do for a living because I genuinely day in and day out get to spend time with the people, the clients and with the, the fellow agents and teammates and, and partners elsewhere in the industry because I genuinely love spending time with them. So I get to wake up every day and spend time with my friends, and get compensated to do so. So if you're trying to figure out who your ideal person is, again, it's not just about the money. You take care of the people, the people will take care of you. So find the people that you want to spend time with and that you want to serve, and then do so on an incredibly high level, because then they're going to connect you with the people that are going to be similar. And now, not only is your friendship circle going to grow, but your business is gonna grow exponentially, and that's something that again is scalable. It takes time, but it is something that is going to be consistent and not transactional. Nobody wants to feel like a number. everybody wants to feel like they're spending time with friends and family and i'm I love that that's what drives so my ideal client is the people I want to spend time with, but I also am going to be officiating some weddings for for some of those clients because those relationships, when people think it ends at real estate, it does not. So find the people that make your life more fulfilling and I
1: guarantee you will find the people that you want to serve and serve at a high level. I love that. It's awesome. Alex, where can people find you if they want to connect, to reach out, say hi, buy a house in Wisconsin? Absolutely. So one, you can find me online, Alex Young of the Bowtie Group.
0: Today, I'm not wearing my my fun bow tie right now. <laughs> working from home, spending time with the dogs. But Alex Young of the Bowtie Group, Instagram, Alex Young Realtor, same thing on Facebook. I connect a lot on social media. So if you reach out, I'm more than happy to. Otherwise, if you go to
1: thebowtiegroup.com, you can reach out directly to me there as well. Alex, this has been incredible, man. Thanks for sharing and thanks for being transparent. I appreciate you having me on. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Agent Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by You Sell It, the number one do-it-yourself real estate photo app for incredible professional results. Hey guys, it's Ray. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks so much for being here and we'll see you on the next one.